today on CityCast Salt Lake. Why did Salt Lake City put a moratorium on new homeless shelters? And where do we go from here? I'm asking KUER's government and politics reporter, Emily Means. It's Monday, April 25th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Emily Means, welcome back to CityCast Salt Lake. Oh, hey, Allie. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be on with you. Oh, I enjoy spending time with you, too. Um, Unfortunately, we have to talk about the temporary closure of shelters in our community. I want to start with the Ramada Inn. So the Ramada Inn was our temporary overflow shelter, as I understand it. First, why did we need the Ramada Inn in the first place? Every year, Salt Lake County has been looking for a temporary winter shelter. And that's because if you go back, the road home shelter, which was the big shelter downtown, closed. And there were a lot of people who were staying there, like around 1,200 people. Mm -hmm. And when that closed, three smaller homeless resource centers opened. But it didn't make up the difference. So there were still people who were left out who had been staying at the road home who just couldn't make it into these new smaller resource centers. And so every winter, Salt Lake County providers and uh, the municipalities within uh, are looking at a place to put people while it's cold. And the winter shelter is supposed to be open from around October to April Um, this past year. There were struggles to get it open. A lot of that was due to staffing. I remember I was at a a press conference um, at the Salt Lake City and County Building and Mayor Aaron Mendenhall was there with some service providers and they were like begging people to volunteer to work at the winter shelter. Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. really remarkable because, I mean, the first snow had happened, um, you know, well before this press conference was taking place and the winter shelter still wasn't operating. So the Ramada was the big shelter for the winter, but there were some other measures in place, like some, you know, cots that they opened up at the St. Vincent de Paul uh, food pantry. There was the Wiegand Center that was open for a little bit um, in this very temporary overnight way. But the Ramada was the big one. The Ramada was really like an ideal situation because people had their own personal space. You know, it was it's an old hotel. And so people could have privacy. Um, There were also caseworkers on site. And this is something this kind of model for for shelter and services. This is something the Salt Lake Valley Coalition to End Homelessness wants to have permanently. Yeah. So it's not just you know, in the winter, we want to get people who are older and medically vulnerable into shelter. No, they want they want it to be available year round. So what led to the sort of decision to close it? Was it a decision or was it just like this is what we've budgeted for and now we're at this cutoff? It's just a thing that happens because these winter shelters are are temporary in nature. Like I said, they're supposed to be open from October to April, and that's just always the way it is. Um the decision to open these shelters is like a a temporary emergency land use decision, right? And so they have to have um, a specific end date because it's 
it's something that's outside of the norms of the land use policies at the city. It's interesting we talk about these shelters just sort of during winter. Like I think fall and winter is when everyone has that like, oh my God, it's already snowing. Where are people going to get warm? That's like where the conversation turns. But we also know that like people die on our streets in the summer. And the scientists are telling us this year we're going to have a hot summer. It's going to be brutal. We don't have enough water. And I'm thinking a lot about last year, Shauna, Shauna Wright, who, you know, was a, I think, 64-year-old woman who died of a heat stroke on the street in Salt Lake in the middle of the summer because there was nowhere for her to go and get cool. And so as we think about, like, the need for overflow space, it feels like it's just as real in the summer. It's a year-round need. Yeah. I think what we find is that... I mean, you're exactly right. I remember I did a story, you know, in the fall while we were looking for this shelter to open. And the headline was another winter, another struggle to open an overflow shelter. But, you know, city leaders and service providers recognize that there is a need year round and it just feels more acute in the winter because of the the cold and wet conditions. But you're absolutely right. Like it's very hot in the summers. Um, I think maybe it seems like it's more natural to camp when it's when it's warmer weather, you know, but it's still a safety concern year round. So now the city council came together this spring and voted unanimously, which is every time it's a unanimous vote, I'm always like, OK, I'm, in, I'm interested in that, um, to basically put a temporary moratorium on as I understand it, the like building of or funding of new shelters. How did they reach that decision? Because I think for a lot of us in the community, we read those headlines and we're like, sorry, what? How? Why? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Right. This was not something that just happened out of the blue. If you look back to Last year, I believe it was in October. This is actually something that Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall initiated. She um, started a temporary moratorium on permanent homeless shelters within Salt Lake City limits. And the reason for that uh, at the time, she said Salt Lake City shoulders the burden of homeless resources more than any city in the county. And so we're going to put a pause on things, sort things out and figure out, you know, what what we need to change about our um, our shelter regulations within the city to reduce the impacts to neighborhoods. That was kind of the thought there. So this is something that's been in the works for months now. And uh, her temporary moratorium was set to expire in April. Okay. So they've had, so what was it? October to April was approximately like six months for um, city planners and policymakers to really take a look at their land use code um, and, and how it applies to shelters. But they needed more time, is what they said. So this actually went to the Planning Commission first. Um, and the thing with the Planning Commission is 
it's just an advisory body, essentially. So it can recommend things to the city council, but whatever it recommends, the city council has the final say on this on the on these types of policies. Okay. So this is actually something that the planning commission voted against um, this temporary moratorium, extending the temporary moratorium, because they were like, Y'all have had six months to think about this. Um it seems like this could go on indefinitely if if you know you vote to extend it we we need a plan like we need a plan in place and we need a deadline for this so right. they quickly they, who makes yeah, up sure. the planning commission um these are people who are appointed okay they're not elected but you okay. know, they're just people in the community okay um, so it's like a community board people with expertise Right. And, you know, there I, there are varying levels of expertise. I'm not familiar with like each individual on the planning commission. Mm -hmm. So these are the people who are looking at this and pouring over the land use policy, which is really complicated. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever tuned into a planning commission meeting, like they can be very, very dry, very yeah. dull. Yes. But like, so even important. Even is like, no, we're <laughs> yeah. not doing this. Yeah. And they can be like four hours long talking about, I don't know, parking or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they they voted um, not to recommend extending the moratorium uh, to the city council. But the city council, like I said, can can do what they want. And so they took this up and there were similar concerns about having a deadline for this moratorium and not just having it go forward indefinitely while the city figures out what it wants to do with its with its land use code. Um, and so what they decided was yeah, we do need more time to, you know, look at um, the regulations around shelters, what we want shelters to be like in our city, but also where we want shelters to be. Yeah. So that part is really interesting to me because in Salt Lake City's zoning code, up until this point, shelters were only allowed in certain parts of the city, like downtown, like Central City, Ballpark. You didn't see shelters as an allowed use on the east side, right? On the east side. I'm bench. shocked. I know, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and and city council member members said the exact same thing. They were like, we should have a shelter in Sugar House, you know? Like we should there it should be more equitable um, in terms of geography and the impacts to neighborhoods. So that's another thing that they're trying to take time to sort out during this moratorium is you know, can we more equitably um, site shelters within the city? And so they voted to extend this moratorium, but they did put a deadline on it, um, May of 2023. So, you know, that's a year from now. Whoa. Uh -huh. I you were going to say May of this year. No. This is <laughs> for another year? That this includes is for another a year. whole winter. Yes. Um, Holy crap. So, okay. But but they could also, you know, they could move faster than that. It's just right. like this is the very latest. Without, in theory, taking another vote that would further extend it. In theory. I think a, a lot of people interpreted this vote as the city trying to send a message to neighboring cities. You know, hello, Midvale. Hello, West Valley. Hello, Draper. Hello, Mill Creek. You need to take on some of this. Like we need also need shelters in your communities. And that's not just because Salt Lake City is like 
you know, it sounds like the mayor is frustrated that Salt Lake City is funding most of this. But also, like, if you drive up and down the valley, like homelessness is not an issue only in Salt Lake. Like there are people that need housing. It touches every corner of this valley and of this state. Do you think that that's part of part of it? Is that messaging? I think it can't be ignored that there is that messaging. I don't know if that's like necessarily what triggered it or, you know, what they hope will happen because of it. But, you know, listening to the public comment during the city council's discussion on this, that's what people were saying. They were like, you are using unsheltered people as bargaining chips. You know, you're saying, hey, other cities in Salt Lake County, put up or shut up. Mm -hmm. Now, will this moratorium force other cities to step up? I don't know. Um, I don't know if there would be another permanent shelter going up in the next year anyway. Um, But, you know, it it does send um, some sort of message. The legislature um, made a decision during this year's legislative session about where basically there needed to be shelters. And they, they set some like bumpers and some parameters about around what the cities could do. How does this decision intersect with that? Does it at all? Like, is it informed by the legislature kind of giving a push? The legislature's actions really did kind of like put this at the at the forefront of everyone's minds in Salt Lake County um, and has spurred them to action. That was the literal point of the legislation. But the moratorium is kind of separate from that because, you know, regardless, something needs to happen because of the, the new state law. Well, I think, Emily, this is definitely a continuing story. I mean, this is one of the top issues in our city. And I think hopefully we're going to get some answers soon. And hopefully it's going to be before a year from now, because that's pretty frightening. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I The city wants to engage with the community on this issue as well. So if this is something people are interested in giving input on, um, I think there are definitely opportunities for that. Yeah. And we'll share those out. Emily, thank you so much for your time and for being here to help us try and make sense of all of this the best that we can. Thanks, Allie. I think it's so important. So thank you so much for having me on. A little political news before we go. On Saturday, Utah Democrats and Republicans held their statewide nominating conventions. For the Dems, they chose not to nominate anybody for U.S. Senate, which means the party is throwing its support behind independent Evan McMullen instead of putting a Democrat on the ballot. It's a strategy to form a coalition of Democrats and moderate Republicans and unaffiliated voters to oust current far-right Senator Mike Lee, who is up for re-election this fall. What does this mean exactly? Well... We can expect a flood of political money to Utah from national Democratic donors who are definitely intrigued by the McMullen camp. At the Republican convention, I kid you not, they opened with a prayer that ended with the phrase, let's go, Brandon, an expression that makes even the faint of heart wish people who want to say fuck Joe Biden would just say it like adults. Congressman John Curtis will be in a primary with state representative Chris Harrod for the fourth time in Curtis's life and the third time in this congressional seat. Congressman Burgess Owens and Chris Stewart both have more moderate primary challengers. And Senator Mike Lee, who was a rock star with the delegate crowd, took 70 percent of the vote. 
but heads to a primary with both Becky Edwards and Allie Isom. Edwards is a Republican candidate many Utah Dems have changed affiliation to vote for in this very primary. If you can't tell, Utah Democrats really want to oust Mike Lee. Primary election day is Tuesday, June 28th. One last convention update. The plan at the Republican convention was to vote on a change to the state party's platform. The proposed update would change the Utah GOP's official stance on abortion from, quote, we strongly oppose abortion except to preserve the life of the mother or in cases of rape or incest to, quote, we strongly oppose abortion, period. But by the time they got to the platform on the agenda, most delegates had left the convention and there wasn't a quorum. So not enough members in attendance to even take the vote. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Sorry, my cat just got got involved. Here he is. He's very cute. Go away.